Well, who's ready for part two of our new series? Awesome. Uh, Last night, I met a couple right down here on the front row, and she said, normally we sit on the side way in the back, but she said, ever since you started this new series on marriage and God-honoring sex, my husband insists that we sit right on the front row. I said, typical guy, typical guy. Hey, if you haven't already, go ahead and take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Song of Solomon in your Old Testament. That is where we'll be throughout this entire four-week series, the Old Testament book of Song of Solomon, and we are in week two of our series, For Better or Worse. We're talking about love, we're talking about relationships, marriage, we're talking about sex. Um, It is not a dirty word, it's not an embarrassing word, it's something that God created. It's a gift that he gives to the married couple. We're talking about all these subjects because God wrote the book on all of these things. If you missed last week, I would highly encourage you to go online to our website, orchard.church, catch up. Last week we talked about four qualities, if we're single, that we want to look for in a future mate, Uh, four qualities. We want to develop if we're married to have a healthy, God-honoring marriage. Now, next week is the week you definitely do not want to miss as we are talking about God-honoring sex. Um, If there's ever a week in this series you want to make sure your kids are in OC Kids, it's next week. If you decide to bring your kids in here, then be prepared for some interesting questions and don't blame Pastor Doug, okay? Because I've given you the warning, but it's going to be fun. Um, We're going to see what God designed uh, in that subject, so you don't want to miss next week. Today, what we're going to talk about as we continue this series uh, where we're looking at the story of King Solomon and his first wife, the wife that he honored God with. Uh, We're going to talk today about perfect seasoning. All of our relationships go through different seasons. And so today, if you're single, uh, we're going to talk about that season of singleness and how to pursue a mate in the way that God would want you to pursue them. If you're married, we're going to talk about how to continually pursue your spouse in a God-honoring way. But there's different seasons in all of our relationships. And every season... God has a purpose for those seasons. Now, unfortunately, today, um, if you're single and you're dating, in the dating season, our world and culture today uh, tends to put a lot of physical pressure on the dating relationship. Uh, There's a lot of physical pressure and not so much emphasis on the spiritual and and emotional, the more important things. And I remember when I was a single guy and I was dating and, you know, and then other guys would ask, okay, how far did you get? You know, first base, second base. I remember the first girl uh, that I ever pursued. I was at the ripe old age of 10. I was about 10 years old, uh, and her name was Diane Dupuy. I still remember her, her name, and we were in about the fourth grade together. And let me just tell you, at 10 years old in the fourth grade, she was a woman among girls. And I was like, man, I want to go out with Diane Dupuy. And so I, I remember I started uh, going out with her, going with her. Now, I was 10 years old. We really didn't go anywhere, but we called ourselves a boyfriend and girlfriend. But I had never kissed a girl before. And so I remember I, I'd held her hand, but that's as far as I'd gotten. And some of my friends were giving me a hard time. You haven't kissed her? You haven't kissed her? And I felt this pressure. And so I actually had started bringing her to church with me. And so uh, one night we were at going to church together, and I decided this is the night. This is the night I'm going to pursue my first kiss with Diane Dupuy. Now, she was a foot taller than me. I'm sure that shocks you. And so I was going to have to get on my tiptoes to pull this off. And so I I wanted her to know what was about to happen. And so I told her on the way to church, I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm going to kiss you tonight. And she was like, okay. And she seemed ready for it. I was like, okay, just, I'm just preparing you now. And I'm working myself up. And so after church that night, uh, we kind of found a spot in the hallway. And I, and I was like, okay, are you ready? And she was kind of standing there like, 
yeah, I'm ready. And I'm like so nervous and I'm, I'm, I'm stalling. And this went on for like 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, well, let me check the hallway, make sure nobody's coming and nobody's looking. I'm like, are you sure you're ready? She's like, I'm ready. And I'm, are you sure you're ready? Are you, are you ready for this? And she's like, yes, I'm ready. And this kept going on and on and on. And so finally, and I figured, you know, we were at church, so God would approve of this. You know, my first kiss being at church. And so I finally got up enough er, nerve, and, and, and true story, I, I ran up to her, got on my tiptoes, and I mean, it was like a flyby kiss. I kissed her on the lips, but they barely touched because I, it was the fastest quick in history. I kissed her, and then I stepped back, and I ran. I ran away. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't believe what had just happened. Well, hopefully today I can help you do a little bit better than I did uh, in your pursuits as you navigate the different seasons that God will have for your relationships. I hope you'll take some notes today. Um, first of all, we're going to talk about the fact that, especially if you're single and you're dating, uh, you're going to go through a couple of seasons you need to be aware of. And we're going to see this take place in this couple here in Song of Solomon. First, you will have, uh, mo- most likely, you will have a season of infatuation. You're first going to go through a season of infatuation when when you're dating. Uh, Let's pick it up in chapter 2, verse 7. And and the woman says uh, to the other women of Jerusalem, who she had asked, remember last week, to help her be accountable before she was married. She said, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love, help me out, church, until what? Until the... Time is right. She's saying, I want to make sure uh, that we do this God's way in a God-honoring way and that there's, there's purity here. And so I'm falling in love with this guy. I'm infatuated with this guy. But hold me accountable that we don't awaken love too much until the time is right because they're not going to get married till chapter 4, which we're going to see next week. And you don't want to miss that next week. And then she goes on and says in verse 8, she's describing her relationship and how she feels about King Solomon, her future husband. And she says in verse 8, Ah, I hear my lover coming he is leaping over the mountains he's bounding over the hills is how she's describing this i mean get a picture of this she's like i i hear my lover coming i see him he's bounding over the hills he's running over he's coming to pick me up he's got flowers we're going on a date we're going to de- she is so excited she is so pumped up because she is infatuated in this season and she goes on in verse 9 and she says as she describes her lover my lover is like a swift gazelle that's how i was with Diane Dupuy i kissed her and i was like a swift gazelle i just ran off so it's biblical right she says he's like a swift gazelle or a young stag shelly used to call me her young stag now i'm just her middle aged stag it's really depressing <laughs> She says, look, now this gets interesting. She says, look, there he is behind the wall. He's looking through the window. He's peering into the room. What is this guy, a peeping Tom or something? I mean, this seems kind of weird, but she likes it. To us, this sounds creepy. Why is this guy peeking over the wall? Why is he looking through her window? To us, this is creepy, but to her in this infatuation stage and season of their life, she thinks this is cute. This is the stage, guys, that you can do no wrong. Everything you do is cute. Everything you do is, is wonderful. This, this is the season of infatuation where all the love songs make sense. 
You're singing all the songs. You know, every little thing she does is magic. Everything she does just turns me on. That's why I'm not on the praise team, okay, right there. But, we, you know, you're singing all the love songs. You go into the card stores, in the Hallmark. You read every card. You, you look into the clouds and you see Cupid there. You see the hearts there. And, man, this guy right now in this infatuation season can do no wrong in her eyes. Everything is cute. Even though he's looking through the window and it see, he seems like a stalker to us. But what we might think is creepy, she thinks is is really cute. In the infatuation season. Now let me help some of you out. Some of you younger men, uh, maybe you're dating, or maybe you're very early on in your marriage. Um, Early on, everything you do, guys, seems cute to her. But after you've been married a while, after 10, 15, 20 years of marriage, um, you're not sure if you're creepy today or cute today. It's like a 50-50 shot. 50% of the time, the things you do after you've been married a while are cute to her still. And 50% of the times, uh, they're creepy. Uh, let me, let me kind of explain what I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, maybe she's, you've been married a while. She's in the kitchen. She's fixing dinner. And you do a little drive-by honk honk. <laughs> now, you're not sure how she's going to respond if you've been married a while. Is that going to be creepy or is that going to be cute? Because one time you do it, she's like, oh, stop that. The next time you do it, she's like, you pervert, you're disgusting. Am I right? Am I preaching truth, right? You don't know. Am I creepy or am I cute? I'm just trying to help some of you guys out. But in the infatuation stage, everything is cute. Everything is cute. She goes on and she says this in verse verse 10. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. She's like, I'll go anywhere, anytime, I am in love. And this is when we do some of the craziest things in this infatuation uh, season. And you just need to understand uh, that this is a season, and it will pass. Uh, Studies show that the infatuation season will last anywhere from one day or night to about six months. That's about it. They said in rare cases, it'll last up to a year, maybe two at the most. It's a season. And what happens in this season is we think, oh, it could never get any better than this. This is amazing. I am head over heels in love. It could never get any better. Can I tell you after 26 years of marriage, it can get better. But first, it's got to get real. It's got to get real. You got to do real life together. You got to experience some highs and lows and some ups and, and downs and some peaks and valleys. It can get indescribably and infinitely better than just the emotional season of infatuation. And some of you that have been married a long time know exactly what I'm talking about. But in this season of infatuation, if you want to honor God, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you say, man, I want to make sure I honor God in all the seasons of my relationships. You have this in your notes. In this season, if you want to honor God, there's three things you need to limit during the time of infatuation because we're vulnerable to temptation. Three things. Time, limit your time, your talk, and your touch. You need to limit your time, your talk, and your touch in the infatuation season. You need to limit your time. Uh, Don't quit your job to spend every waking hour with this person. Uh, Don't quit your friends. Don't quit your church. Uh, You integrate them into your life. You integrate into their life. You limit your time. You need to limit your talk during this infatuation season. On the second date, don't tell them how much you love them and that you're in love and you want to marry them and, and spend the rest of your life with them. Uh, your relationship isn't ready for that. You don't have that kind of foundation yet. You don't have a strong enough friendship to say those kind of things. Limit your talk. And then the third thing, if you want to honor God in the season of infatuation, um, limit your touch. What do I mean by that? No honking, squeezing, rubbing, patting, or pulling. You might want to write that down, okay? 
If you, if you want to honor God during this season and not fall into temptation, if you want to do what she said in verse 7, don't awaken love until it's time, then you got to limit your time, your talk, and your touch. Build your relationship on a strong friendship because that will last a lifetime long after the infatuation season is gone and it's over. Build it on a strong friendship. Become best friends. So you will for sure start out, you will have a season of infatuation. And then there's a second season that you will no doubt experience, and that is you will have a season of preparation. You'll have a season of infatuation, and then you'll probably have a season of preparation. That's exactly what we see in this couple's story. Let's pick it up in verse 11 as we see them being prepared to be married. It says in verse 11, look, the winter is past. Everybody say the winter is past. That's what we wish for right now. We're freezing to death, right? We wish the winter was past, okay? They, they went through a winter season in their life. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. They went through this, the winter. They said, look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. The cooing of turtle doves fills the air. What time is it now? It's, it's spring. The winter is past, now it's springtime. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. She said, the winter is over. The winter is past. The wedding is coming soon. They're going to have a springtime wedding that we're going to see next week. But there is no spring without first going through winter. If you want to experience spring, you first have to go through winter. And winter is a time of preparation. It is a time of preparation. And this is a very important time for all of our relationships. Because God loves us too much to allow us to rush into a lifelong commitment of marriage without being prepared, without being ready. And sometimes we think we're ready, but God knows we're really not ready. And he's doing what's best for us. Maybe we're not ready for that lifelong relationship yet because we've got past hurts that we need to get over. Maybe from a past relationship or a past marriage. Maybe there needs to be some healing and some forgiveness and rebuilding of trust that takes place again. This happens during this season of preparation, the winter season. And I believe during this season of preparation, God wants us to be prepared in two ways. If you're taking notes, the first way God wants us to be prepared is spiritually. You need to be prepared spiritually. Maybe you've made some mistakes in your past relationships. I certainly did before I met my wife, Shelly. I, I didn't always walk with character and integrity and I'd made some bad decisions and I, I needed a time of preparing spiritually. I needed a time to learn and to, to grow and to renew my mind of what God's word had said in my life and, and God's spirit. You see, in the winter time is when our roots have an opportunity to grow deep. That's what happens in the winter. Roots grow deeper and it's a time of spiritual preparation. And so if you feel like, man, I may be in a time of winter right now, a time of spiritual preparation, man, this is a great time if you've never been discipled, to get discipled, to have a mature believer come alongside of you and help you to be grounded into the word of God so you can be spiritually prepared for that person he would bring into your life. I could tell you this, I, I wanted to be married a lot faster than God brought Shelly into my life. There was about two years, but I was praying for a, a wife, I was praying for a wife, but I wasn't ready yet spiritually. And God said, listen, your most important relationship right now now is not another woman it's me it's me you need to grow and if I wouldn't have spent those couple of years growing in my relationship with God even if I'd have met Shelly she probably wouldn't have been attracted to me I wasn't ready yet but then I was ready when I met her and God had built some things into my life so don't resist the winter time of spiritual 
preparation. If that makes sense, say yes. And then there's another way we need to be prepared. Not only does God want to prepare us in the wintertime spiritually, but we need to be prepared practically. We need to be prepared practically. Um, sometimes young couples, they're just not prepared practically for the lifelong commitment of marriage and all the responsibilities that come with that. Uh, sometimes guys just need to grow up. Uh, they need to get a, a good-paying job. They need to be able to pay their bills. They need to be able to learn to live on a budget. They need to learn their, to change their underwear every two or three days, whether they think they need to or not. Right, ladies? I mean, they got to kind of grow up a little bit. Sometimes you meet these young couples, and they want to rush into this lifelong commitment of marriage. And, and we ask questions like, well, how are you going to live? I mean, how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to make it? Well, we're just going to live on love. We're in love. We're just going to live on love, and it's all going to work out. Really? Well, just try that. You go down to King Supers, fill up, you know, your grocery basket, go through the line, and when they ask you to pay your bill, just say, just put that on our love account. <laughs> just see how well that goes. You know, get your, get your XL energy bill or your United Power bill and just write love across it and see how long, you know, you still have power in your house. We, we got to do more than just live on love. We got to be practically ready for the lifelong commitment of marriage and, and a family and those responsibilities. There's going to be a, a season of infatuation. There's going to be a season of preparation. Embrace the winter season of preparation. You can't have spring without winter. You can't have spring without winter. Embrace that. Don't run from that. Don't resist that. Allow God to work and grow you in your life through the season of infatuation and preparation. If you're single, if you're dating. And then now let's talk about all the seasons. And in all seasons, there's two things that God wants us to pursue that we see played out um, in Song of Solomon in this couple. Whether you're dating or whether you're married, in all seasons, there's two things to pursue if you're taking notes. The first one is that we should pursue intimacy. We should pursue intimacy during all seasons. And we're not talking about physical intimacy as much as we're talking about emotional intimacy. Let's look at what it says in verse 14. And he says to her, He says, my dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see, help me out somebody, let me see your face. Okay, not your body, your face. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant, he says, and your face is lovely. Well, what's he wanting to do? He's wanting to talk with her. He's wanting to have a conversation. He wants to spend some emotional time with her to get to know her better. He wants to grow in the intimacy of their emotional relationship. He says, I want to see your face. I want to hear your words. I want us to talk. Oftentimes when we think about intimacy, we think of romance. But those aren't the same thing. Romance is what happened, you know, at Valentine's Day last week. Flowers and candy and chocolates and dinners. But intimacy is different than romance. Intimacy is transparency. It's I am going to open up to you. You're going to open up to me. We are going to talk. We're going to share our heart. We're going to share our fears and our failures and our hopes and our our dreams. And we're going to open up. We're going to be vulnerable with one another about everything. Here's a great way to remember uh, the word um, intimacy and to define it. You have this in your notes. Another way of saying intimacy is this. What does it mean? Into me you see. Intimacy is into me you see. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not hiding anything from you. And, and, and I know we like romance, but here's what we need to understand. Romance, true romance is a byproduct of true intimacy. True romance is a byproduct of true intimacy. 
talking and sharing life together in all seasons, whether you're dating or whether you're married, pursue intimacy, being willing to open up and share with one another. Do you remember when you were dating, those of you who've been married a while? Remember when you were dating, man? Remember how close you felt uh, when you were dating? You know why? Because we talked all the time. You know, we were dating, we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. Uh, I remember when Shelly and I were first dating, you know, like 27 years ago. And this was back before cell phones. We had these things, young people, believe it or not, called landlines. And we were, we were connected to a cord. And so if you wanted privacy, you needed a really long cord so you could, you know, hide in the room and, and the cord could be under the door and you have some privacy. And I remember Shelly and I, we would talk all hours of the night and both of us were going to Bible college at that time and we'd have classes and a test the next day, but that didn't stop us when we were dating from talking till midnight or one or sometimes two in the morning. And we would just talk and we would share our hopes and dreams and what was going on in our life and our possible future together. And, and did any of you guys do this? Are we the the only ones I remember it'd be two o'clock in the morning we'd be on the phone and we'd say man we got it we got class tomorrow we got a test tomorrow okay well let's hang up okay well you first no you first remember that okay let's do it together at the same time ready one two three I love you goodbye are you still there yeah I thought you no wait I thought you were hanging up and we would do this you remember when you were dating, you would talk and you would talk. Sometimes I talked to couples like, yeah, when we were dating, man, we knew each other so well. We talked, we talked, we talked, and then we got married. Now we never talk. We never talk. You know, he comes home. How was your day? Fine. You know, guys, isn't it true? We just want to give the headlines, right? She doesn't want the headlines. She wants the full thousand-page paper. She wants every detail. What was the weather when this happened? You know, what time was it? How did you feel in that moment? She needs that. She needs that. Intimacy. Into me, you see. We're going to spend time together face to face. We're going to talk. If we're not careful, I believe there's this danger in marriage that we think that we're close just because we share everything. We think we're close to our mate just because we share everything. I mean, after all, we, we share the same house, we share the same food, we share the same toothpaste and bedroom, we share the same toilet, which can be really gross for her because guys can be a bad aim, right? But we, we think we're close because we share everything. I would argue all day long that there's a difference between being close by someone and close to someone. Let me say that again. There's a difference between being close by someone and close to someone, intimate in our relationship. And maybe for some of you that have been married a while, you once say, man, we were really close. We talked all the time, and now we don't. We, it's like we're, we're living in the same house, but we're more like roommates than a married couple, than husband and wife. Man, go back and do the things you did when you were first dating and you were courting. You know, what did you enjoy doing together? Have some fun. I know, you know, kids come along. We throw some kids in the mix. You know, 10-pound poop machine comes into your life. And, man, it kind of messes things up. And it, it's it hard and life happens. Get a babysitter. The kids will survive. They're going to be okay. You know what I believe with all my heart? I believe with all my heart that one of the greatest things that a married couple can do for their kids, the greatest gift they can give their kids is a healthy marriage. A healthy marriage where mom and dad love each other and have a close relationship and a friendship, that they're best friends. Don't let the kids dominate your life. We told our kids when they were younger, listen, we were friends and we were together before you guys came along, and we're going to be together a lot longer than after you guys leave. So we're, this relationship is important to us. When was the last time you and your mate just talked, had intimate conversation? 
What does God want in a God-honoring marriage? In all seasons, pursue intimacy. Pursue intimacy. And in all seasons, whether you're dating or married, there's one other thing God wants us to pursue, and that is purity. Pursue intimacy and then pursue purity at all stages of the relationship. We see this in verse 15. And again, the woman here, she's talking to the women of Jerusalem, the other single women, her accountability partners, and she's wanting to be pure. She wants to honor God in this way. And she says in verse 15, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, them pesky foxes, before they ruin what church? The vineyard of love. Remember last week she described her body as a vineyard. And we're going to see that throughout this story. She says, catch those foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. Well, what does she mean by this? See, the little foxes would come around, and they would eat the blossoms off the tree in the springtime before the trees could bud, and then the buds would fall off, and a grape would appear. And she said, man, our marriage, um, we're about to get married. Our relationship is blossoming, but we know that, that the enemy is going to send little foxes to try to mess up what God has intended before we ever get started, before we actually consummate this marriage. There is a real enemy out there that anything that God has designed and how God has said it's supposed to work, he wants to mess it up. He wants to spoil that. The enemy wants to spoil God's best for marriage. Before the marriage, when it comes to purity, and even after the marriage, when it comes to purity. We'll talk more about that next week. And so we we have to ask ourselves this question. What foundation, you know, if we're dating, what foundation do we want our future marriage to be founded on? Honoring God or dishonoring God? We talked about this last week. And what she's saying here is, man, we want to pursue purity. We want to do this God's way. We want to do this right. We don't want to awaken love until the time is right. We talked about this last week. And and we're not trying to, you know, judge anybody. We're not trying to shame anybody or make people feel guilty. That's what our enemy does. But we, and we can't change yesterday. We can't change last night. But we can make a decision from this day forward if we're going to honor God or not, right? And, and here's, here's, here's something that happened incredible last week. We talked about this last week. Are we honoring God together or are we sinning together? And there is a couple that's been attending Orchard Church just f- since the first of the year in January. Um, they had been out of church and they had been living together for eight years. And they said that they considered themselves common law marriage. They said, we introduce each other as husband and wife. Um, we, you know, we have a, our house together and our bills together and insurance together. And so uh, by the government, we would be married common law. But we've never said our vows uh, together before God. We're just common law marriage. They said, we last week heard the message and it wrecked us. We had no idea. We didn't realize that we weren't honoring God together. And they said, ever since the message last Sunday, we've been sleeping in separate rooms. We're planning to get married in October, but we're not sure what to do between now and then. Pastor Doug, can you please help us out? I mean, they were so uh, convicted by God's word, and they said, we don't want to dishonor God together. We want to honor God together. I think that is incredible that God spoke to them in that way. And I said, well, I've got some great news for you guys. You don't have to wait till October. We can make this right before God. And last night, they came to the first service, and after the service, I did their wedding right out here in the lobby in front of the fireplace. And they got married, and they said their vows before God and made it right. It was incredible. I think, what an incredible testimony of a couple that said, listen, we can't change the past, but we can change from this day forward, and we want to honor God together. Man, I was so blessed by that. And after they said their vows, and I said, you can kiss your bride, he said, I don't have to sleep on the couch tonight. Yes! It was awesome. And listen, 
I, I get it. Many of us have messed up in this area. Maybe some of you, you know, you're like, we're, we're not doing this right. Before I met Shelly, I had messed up royally in this area with, with other women in my life. I didn't walk in integrity and character. But when I, God worked in my life and I got my life back on track with God and I knew what God desired and I met Shelly, I said, you know, I can't change any of my past relationships. I didn't do those right, but I can get this one right. And Shelly and I made a commitment. We're gonna honor God together. And we waited uh, to be sexually intimate until we were married, which is why we had a very short engagement. Let me just remind you again, okay? I was smart. But we did it right. We did it right. We wanted to honor God with purity. I can, I can honestly tell you this. If I, if I can just, can I just keep it real for a moment? Is that okay? That's really the only way I know how to roll. I, I really wasn't tempted physically uh, with Shelly. We, we had made a decision. We're going to pursue purity together. We're going to honor God together, whatever it takes. And I wasn't really tempted physically with Shelly until the first time I kissed her. And it wasn't a gazelle runaway kiss. Okay, it wasn't like when I was 10 with Diane Dupuy. I mean, it was a lingering kiss. You know, and I, I mean, I mean we're, we're there and I'm kissing her, and it's a passionate kiss. And you know, listen, I'm a pastor, but if I'm, if I'm keeping it real, my hands get tired after a while, and they start to drift. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and the little foxes were coming out. You, listen, the truth will set you free. Is, is it okay to, for me to be honest with you guys? And it wasn't until then that I was like, oh man, we, we gotta be careful, we, we, we gotta watch this. We're gonna wake in love before the time is, is right. And we said, no, that, we got to be careful here. We want to draw the line. And, and here's the question. We start talking about pursuing purity, especially in the dating relationship. Uh, people always want to know this question. Okay, Pastor Doug, I hear what you're saying. But here's my question. How far is too far, right? That's what we all want to know. How far is too far? I know we're not supposed to have sex until we're married. But how far is too far? Well, I've got a verse for this. A great verse. Um, the Apostle Paul shared a, a letter with a young man, a single young man who was pastoring a church. He was not yet married, and he wanted to pursue purity. And so Paul gave him some um, instructions that can be very helpful to all of us where to draw the line on how far is too far. If you want to honor God together and you want to pursue purity. Now listen, um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're called to a higher standard. We should want to honor God together. Amen. Now, if you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus, we are thrilled that you're here. We will meet you right where you are in your journey. You, you could feel that you belong here even before you believe here, but you're kind of off the hook on this for a minute. But I'm, I'm talking to Christians. And, and here's what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.2. This is really helpful for us. He said this, treat young Timothy, single young man, treat older women as you would your mother. We can understand that. Love them, respect them like you do your mama. And treat younger women with all what? Purity. How do you do that? You, treat them with all purity as you would your own, what? Your own sisters. Treat the younger women, the other, because you're a single guy and there's single women in your church. Treat them with all purity just like you would your sister. Okay, well, let's think this through for a second, okay? Would you hold hands with your sister? Yeah, you might do that. Would you put your arm around your sister? You might do that. Would you give your sister a hug? You might do that. Would you maybe, even if you're really cr close to your sister and you, you, you love her, you maybe give her a quick kiss, you know, to say, hey, I, lo I love you to, to your sister? Yeah. Would you play tonsil hockey with your sister? Not unless you're from Arkansas or Nebraska. <laughs> just, right? <laughs> Sorry, Nebraska fans. <laughs> I ran this past my staff and they said, say Nebraska. So you blame them. Right? I mean, that kind of like sets the standards. 
You know, what would you do with your sister if you want to pursue purity? It's not how close can we get to the line without crossing it. It's I don't want to get close to the line because I know I could easily cross it. But we're all going to go through different seasons. And every season has a purpose. And God wants us to grow in all of these seasons, through the season of infatuation and preparation. And in every season, you know, whether we're single or married, we want, God wants us to pursue intimacy. He wants us to pursue purity in the re- relationship. Now, we're going to wrap chapter 2 up with verse 16 and 17. And what you're about to see in verse 16 and 17 is going to kind of whet your appetite and give you a little behind-the-scenes sample of what we're going to see next week in chapter 4 when they get married and they go on the honeymoon together, okay? So if this doesn't get you excited to come back next week, I don't know what will. Well, here's what's happening. She is going to, in these last two verses, describe what she's imagining her wedding night is going to be like. She's done it God's way. They've honored God together, and now she can't wait to get married. So here's a little sneak preview of next week. And she says this, describing her wedding night. My lover is mine, and I am his. We have saved ourselves for each other. We've done this the right way. I cannot wait to be with him. How does she want to be with him? She says, it's a time where he browses among the lilies. There is so much I would like to say about that right there, but we're going to save that for next week when they're married, okay? And we'll, just, we'll, we'll get there, all right? Verse 17, she describes their wedding night. She says, man, I want to be with you before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee. What is she saying right here? I want to be with you all night long. All night long, baby. Next week. And then she says, return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag. Watch this. On the rugged mountains. Does that mean what I think it means? Yes, it does. Thus saith the Lord. That is in your Bible. I love my Bible. You should read your Bible. Next week, we're going to see what that is all about, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be embarrassed of. This couple has done it the right way, God's way, and God's gift to the married couple is their wedding night and the rest of their life, God honoring sex. You don't want to miss it. But from that point to the wedding night, embrace the seasons. Embrace the seasons. Don't run from them or resist them. Allow God to grow you through all the seasons of the relationship. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you didn't leave the subject of love and relationships and marriage and sex to chance. The world and culture and society has tried to redefine it for us over and over, but Lord, we know that you know this subject better than anyone because you designed it and created it. And Lord, we pray that what the world has perverted and polluted, you would redeem in our lives, in our marriages, in a way that would honor you. So we continue an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you may be here today and you'd say, man, God really spoke to me today. I I believe I'm in a season of preparation. God has been preparing me. And God has a purpose in that season of preparation. Maybe you're in a, you would say, I, I feel like I'm in a hard winter season right now. I, maybe you're a single person and you're, you're desperately wanting to meet your future mate or you're wanting to get married. Maybe you're a single person and, 
and you're single again. And you, you want to be with that special person. But God has, has you in this winter season to prepare you. May, maybe you're going through a hard winter season in your marriage. And God has a purpose for that. He wants to grow you stronger toward each other in your love. And, and pulling both of you toward him. And, and that your spiritual roots would grow deeper. If you're in that season of preparation, embrace it. Allow God to work in and through your life. There is a purpose. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would say, I believe I am in a season right now of preparation? Um, either as a single person, as a married person. Would you pray for me, Pastor Doug? I want God to work in and through my life during this season. Would you lift up your hands nice and high all across the auditorium? Yes, thank you. Many hands everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are in a hard season right now, whether they're single or married, single again, want to be married, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that they would not run from the season of preparation, that they would understand that it has a purpose, that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of you through that season, that their spiritual roots would grow deeper and deeper, that they would make their number one relationship their relationship with you, and that you would guide and direct their life, their decisions, their relationships in a God-honoring way, whatever season that they are in. Encourage them, because we know, God, that there is no spring without winter. So continue in the attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. There may be some of you here today, and you're in a different kind of season. You're in a season of life where God has been relentlessly pursuing you. God has been drawing you to himself. Maybe he's even allowed some things to take place in your life that you don't understand, that don't make sense, because God's trying to get your attention. He's been pursuing you with the same kind of love that this couple in Song of Solomon has been pursuing each other. Because your most important relationship above any other relationship in your life is your relationship with your creator, God himself. You know what he wants? He doesn't want you to find religion. He wants you to find a relationship with him. An intimate, loving relationship. He wanted that relationship with you so badly that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago to die on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins so that you could have your sins removed that separated us from a relationship with God and you could enter into that loving covenant relationship with him. And I can tell you, until you experience that relationship, there's no other relationship or no other possession or position or thing that will fill that void in your life. Maybe it's time for some of you to say yes to Jesus by faith. The Bible says, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. One of the ways we call on the Lord is through a simple prayer. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer of faith out loud. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you will pray this prayer from your heart, you can invite Jesus into your life today. The one that died for your soul. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer right now from your heart to God's in faith? And it goes like this. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know and follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for pursuing me and loving me. Thank you. Thank you. 